Hey everybody, this is Sarah, aka Storystar2005. You're about to listen to the workshop I did with my sister. We recorded last Saturday. We talk about many things, uh, and hopefully you can stick around for the whole thing. We do cover a lot of the story that we wrote together last spring called No Mercy for the Midlife Crisis. So enjoy. We do laugh and giggle a lot. We, um cover the story and we we talk about our old bad fan fiction and we talk about Hannibal we ended up talking about well we started off talking about that anyway have fun and uh, I'm about to go to Colorado I will talk to you guys soon enjoy Yes, unless your microphone is in your headphones. Yeah. And it's because it's it sounds like when you turn away, it is a little quieter. So I think it is in your laptop. Is it better here? <laughs> okay. We're going to have to decide where to, yeah, where to start. Where to actually start. It. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. I think it'll be fun. Um, yeah. Did you happen to read through? I don't know if I want to talk. It's like now I'm kind of just tired of talking, but I, I think I'll perk up. <laughs> well... That's not a great start to a podcast. Episode, no, it's not but... a great start to a podcast. <laughs> Don't no. do two episodes no. in one day. No. Nope. Uh, well, let's talk about my day then. Yeah, how was your day? I work overnights, so I'm always messed up on my sleep schedule. But uh, I slept most of the day yesterday after a shift. And then uh, I woke up around 8 p.m. and uh, watched some Hannibal. I uh, have gotten into Hannibal after um, just watching. Oh, you know now, who else is into that well, right now? She, I know who you're talking about, Cl- Cloven Hooves on Yeah, Narcissa Instagram, Black. Or not Instagram, Tumblr. Yeah, Narcissa Black, single-handedly yep. with all the gift sets she keeps posting. Yeah. Uh, all by herself has gotten me into Hannibal. And uh, I've watched uh, six, to, six to eight episodes. Anyway. It's fantastic. Is it? Is yeah? It's amazing Uh, that it's that good because I can't believe it was on NBC. NBC, it's network. It's actually crazy. Um, I'm not uh, over the moon about all the violence. I know that sounds weird, but I get a little tired by all the violence. But the acting is fantastic. Mads Mikkelsen is is excellent, um, as well as Hugh Dancy. Who I knew from a BBC production of uh, of Daniel Deronda. Anyway, okay, yes, um, and you know we've got this sort of excellent homoeroticism. Yeah, I <laughs> have two questions. Coming beneath everything, <laughs> which we love. So, yes, we do. Um, my two questions were: Is it as gay as it looks? Which you kind of answered. My second question: Is it like glorifying murder? I mean, murder is objectively um, bad. Does it make Murder I think that's cool. going to be the – I can't exactly answer that, but I think it's going to be the question of the series. Um, you know, how deeply psychopathic is Hannibal? Um, but uh, it, you're just going to have to watch it. Okay. It, um, it kind of makes um, – I mean, it, it's sort of darkly comedic at times, but then it's also certainly a drama. Um, and it does, like, make 
murder a little bit aesthetically as uh, like elegant. There right. are these, it'll just cut straight to this grisly murder scene and half the time it's kind of like artistic. Yeah. That was the only thing that I thought reading about that show. I was like, Jesus, they're going to like romanticize murder. Yeah. That I've to, like, like glorified dipped into it. the fanfic just a tiny bit. And like, you know how like you call, like you'll tag something with karate husbands? Like yeah. these, these people tag this as like murder husbands. Murder husbands. <laughs> Which is a little weird. <laughs> but, uh, oh God. You know, all, all I would say is that it's worth it for, uh, the two lead actors and actually the supporting guest is pretty good. And as far as network television goes, it's like stellar. But even yeah. beyond that, um, I'm going to keep, I, I, you know, I'm going to keep watching it. I've decided. That's uh, cool. Everything fine for my attention. But anyway. Is Jillian uh, Anderson in it? Oh, my gosh. I, yes. Awesome. <laughs> I, I almost, thought I saw her in a GIF set. And I was like, is that fucking Jillian Anderson? Out. Yeah. It's both like, it's all about psychiatry and it's a little exhausting having like, there's like, three different psychiatrists on the show and you're like, Jesus, you know, but, um, she's, ex- she's excellent. She just once in a while you'll see her. And every time I have a little freak out, cause she, she is my ultimate girl crush. She's so and, hot. Uh, she is so gorgeous and, uh, just like stunning in every scene. So, yeah. yeah I don't know what it is about her. If it's her voice or just her body, just everything, <laughs> the whole package, the whole Jillian Anderson package. Damn, girl. If you don't know who that is, by the way, it's Scully from the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Who has crazy sexual energy with David Duchovny. <laughs> Probably because yeah. they were sleeping together. I don't Probably know for sure. another OTP of ours. Yeah, I would say uh, we didn't really ever get into X-Files fan fiction. At least I didn't. But I didn't as far as watching it. a show. Cause I think that there's enough of it on the TV show that you exactly. almost don't need to exploit it through fan fiction. <laughs> Exact no, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's you that's get funny. to watch it on the show, so why bother? It's mm-hmm. like half the reason for fan fiction is like seeing characters that you wish would fall yeah. in love. It's the old little like, cartoon of pushing two heads together. Now kid now kid this might be a problem for people to distinguish between our voices, but I think the fact that mm. I'm recording on my microphone and you're on the Skype call, yeah. the low low quality of your <laughs> of your ah. audio. Ah. Because yeah. we do get a lot of people saying we sound a lot alike. We are twins. Yes. Sorry, I didn't say. Twi- uh, my twin sister is who I'm speaking to. And oh, she hey. hasn't actually. Oh, yes, go ahead. keep going. Oh, man. It's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. I was just going to say, we forgot to say what we're drinking. Oh, you know what I'm fucking drinking? What? Nothing. Oh. Uh, this whole, the whole shtick was supposed to be with cocktails. Yep. No, we've already forgotten yes. it. Oh, let me tell you something real fast. Michelob Ultra. Okay. Oh, Mick Ultra. That's the classic. That's our family blue collar, um, white trashy yep. beer of choice. It's uh, elegant trashy. Elegant trashy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yesterday, speaking of just cocktails, and maybe why I don't have one. Yesterday, I was talking to a friend on video chat, and I mm-hmm. spilled uh, a vodka orange juice with soda all over my <laughs> keyboard. Oh no! Thankfully, not on my laptop, but it was a. Oh, it was okay. on my desktop, so I was able to unplug the keyboard quickly, invert it. Oh, I know. I have this MacBook Air that's technically for work. Um, so it wasn't that, 
thank goodness. But anyway, I had to like unplug it. And even now, like the space bar and some of the letters are like really sticky because I just (laughs) let it dry off. Let it. Yeah. The butters. (laughs) I let, yeah. (laughs) Laura watches a lot of South Park. I do. Uh, Yeah, the keys are all sticky. So anyway, it doesn't matter. But I like our, so we've, let's see, we've covered Hannibal. Oh, some fan fiction. I feel like we'll talk throughout. Yeah. You know, if I ever, if I get you on more episodes, we'll talk more. But I was just going to, maybe a quick thing of like history of our first memories of fan fiction would be a good idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have, I actually, I anticipate that and I have, actually, I'm going to pull it up on the laptop. My old fan fiction. I, I don't even want to pull up my fanfiction.net, but maybe I should. I don't really want to either. It's, it's yeah, I don't really need – I feel like I don't need to do that maybe. That's fine. Uh, I don't need to log in. Hold on. I don't even remember my login. It's okay. Uh, my fanfiction name was L.B. Blake. I think I wanted to sound uh, <laughs> like a old 19th century author. It's so pretentious. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. <clears throat> It is. <laughs> I have to log in through my old Yahoo account. Oh, that's awesome. I still remember the password because it's the same for everything. Yeah, don't tell the public that. But I won't tell the public that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, mine is still StoryShark2005, which I also think is a really stupid name. And I've just, I kind of never just wanted to change it. And most mostly people see 2005 and... I didn't realize when people put dates in their names, it was like their birth year. <laughs> I, I did 2005 because I created it in 2005. But if you were born in 2005. Some 15-year-old, like, writing gay fan fiction. Well, exactly. Actually, actually, you know, there are some that are that talented, but. Well, they're not that talented, but they that do old. write. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're clicking on my username, you're expecting a lot of bad homoerotic well, fan there fiction. you go. They're going to be impressed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ringer. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I All I have, I have an Artemis Fowl two-shot. I have a unfinished Star Trek 2009 fan fiction. And, oh, God, I did a Scrubs one. Oh, that was actually good. Um, Probably good for, I bet if you reread it, you would be dis- disappointed. I haven't read <laughs> it in 10 years probably, but. um, Yeah. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, you pick out a pairing and then you go with it. I have an unfinished uh, um, third watch. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Uh, Mary Sue, I right? Think it was NBC also, a cop show. What's your description? Not a Mary Sue? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bosco has a temporary partner while Faith is recovering. Not a Mary Sue pairing. May end up as Bosco Faith. Well, of course it will. I don't, uh, deals with what a partnership means. Some crossover with HBO's The Wire. I don't remember how that tied in at all. I yeah, think I you, put the Barksdale Empire in there. Oh, cool. In Baltimore or New York? It's a little confusing. Oh, I think I put it in New York. Somehow, yeah. somehow I, I don't know, pushing stuff together. It's, it's bad. I don't, I can't even click on it, to be oh, honest. Oh, yeah, don't. I won't click on mine either, but yeah. I'm sure it's better than most. 15-year-olds or however you were, however old you were. Mm. 18, 19? Um, 19. Wait, updated um, in 09. I don't know when it was first published. Yeah. 09, yeah, so 19. I was in college. 
Anyway, well, and before, yeah, I guess I didn't start publishing till 08 or 09, but we read for a long time. And I, my mm-hmm. first uh, fandom I remember was Star Wars Jedi Apprentice. That's excellent. Do yes. you, and, and it was before I found fanfiction.net, so I was reading on. That was my book series, by the way. You stole it from me. I, think. I did get, you did get me into that. Absolutely. I remember going to the book. Yeah, you you can edit all this out, by the way, if it gets too boring. But uh, oh, yeah. I remember going to Barnes and Noble and Borders and stuff and buying those books, uh, snapping them up. Do you remember? Hold on, Siri. Oh no, that yeah, that's a oh. great character. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna. Where do you remember where we read the Did I Apprentice fan fiction? Uh, no. I don't it think was I called, read it. I don't think it's still up. Uh, fan lore has it. Uh, an article on it. it. At least I read it. Uh, it was an archive called Jedi Apprentice Fan Dimension. Wow, J-A-F-D. I don't remember that at all. I, really? I'm not sure I read it like you did. Maybe. Oh yeah, it was it was real weird because um, it was all I wasn't. I don't think I knew what I was getting into with fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I was like, oh, I want to see Obi Wan Kenobi and. Siri get together, but you clicked on it and it was like Qui Gon and Obi Wan, homoerotic <laughs> like, mentor, scandalous. Yeah, and I was like, uh, what? What is this? And I How could definitely, they? yeah. And I didn't get into slash until we got into Harry Potter, the old yeah. dreary, the old dreary tune. And Jedi's are perfect for that. They're all sexually repressed, you know, brainwashed by a cult. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't even really remember what I shipped in Jedi Apprentice. I think I just liked Obi-Wan and that, any female character probably at that point. I, I don't really remember too much that I read before, um, well, before Harry Potter. Um, on my favorites here on fanfiction.net, I've got Batman Begins was big for me. Oh, yeah, it was big for you. I was huge into that in high school. Yep. Yes, you were. Um, I feel like you watched that movie like every night for a month. I had a portable DVD player. I carried it around with me. Yeah, you yep. did. Yep. No shame. Was obsessed with Christian Bale's interpretation because we hadn't really seen too much like that. No, it was like the, the Tim film. Burton stuff before that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Third Watch. I've got Lord of the Rings on here. Uh, there's a Little Women one. Aww. Oh, James Bond. I I, I really loved uh, Casino Royale when it came out. So Daniel I read that. Craig in a little Daniel Speedo. Craig. Oh, goodness. Well, they're not really Speedo. It's, it was a little... Little boy shorts? Boy shorts. Okay. Yeah, little spanky pants. <laughs> uh, and uh, a lot of West Wing here, so... Oh, yeah. Would it, and you were like Josh Donna all the way, right? Yeah, but then, and I, I remember you trying to get me into Josh and Sam, and I remember being very uncomfortable by the um, quote-unquote gay thing. you got to remember that even 10 years ago, things were a lot more uh, taboo. And, yeah. Uh, 10 was, years ago. Yeah. I just, even reading it for me was like, oh, that's a little weird. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember. It used to be weird for me. that I read. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll spend some time at some point going into that, like, why – straight girls like reading gay dudes getting together or not even gay just dudes just dudes <laughs> sometimes it's like i wasn't gay till you 
Yeah. Some people would probably call problematic, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't talk about problematic. Everything is great. Um, oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It used to be weird for me, too, but I think 2010 was the Supreme – because I was, I was in grad – no, no. That was 2013 gay marriage. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, marriage equality. 2013 sounds right. Ish. I'm probably wrong. But anyway. But yeah, 10 years ago, especially 15 years ago when we would have, you know, 2005-ish. Mm-hmm. I can't do math. About that point when we were starting to read, it was like real taboo. Like yeah. being being gay wasn't okay in school. Yeah. And, you know, people still face oppression, but it's not cool to like make fun of gay people. And when we were in elementary school, in middle school, it was like all the dudes were just like – What's up, fag? You know, yeah, pushing each other to bathrooms and all the time. You know, uh, so anyway, just that's all to say, as you said, that it's yeah, a lot has changed socially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think we're drawn to it too because if it's one of the last um, kind of like forbidden love, you know. Yeah, it is a bit. It's still a bit taboo, you know, especially if you have. Uh, a pairing like Daniel and Johnny, and uh, especially if you're writing adult LaRusso with Daniel's got a wife and kids, and yeah, you know, you got to get over that. You got to, yeah. you got to either have them cheat on her or kill her off. I've done <laughs> both. She got cancer, she got kicked in the head by a horse. Um, <laughs> oh, <I should>. no. <laughs> oh, no, Amanda, she's out of the way. Shouldn't have gone to the stables today. Hard to do that since Courtney Hengler is like so excellent in that show. She is amazing. One of my favorite parts. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, if we were going to talk more about No Mercy, I, I remember early uh, conversations and us talking about we didn't – and th- this is the maybe the big difference between your story and uh, Poet Dameron's story is that uh, we consciously didn't want it to be uh, about men in the closet uh, it, yeah, it, it that's was more true. like just discovering that you love someone, and uh, the big gay love story oh, wasn't going to be cat. so much of a part of it. Sorry, I don't know if you heard a meow. My cat's in here now. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. Um, First live audience member. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good point. That makes you feel a little better. Laura was, if you've re- uh, listened to episode two, you know I was having a bit of a writer's envy with Poet Dameron's new story. Oh hmm. god, the cat's messing with the microphone. Get away. Hold on. We'll edit this pause out. Let me Sure, sure. Out. Pause. We're pausing. P A W S. Pausing. Okay. I was talking about Poet Dameron. I if you listened to the last episode, you know that I was having a little bit of writer's envy cuz I love this new story from her. It's called All the Small, no. For the Small Weird Loves. It's a rich, uh, silken. It's a silk. Richard Silken. Um, yes, that is Richard Silken. Uh, poem is where the title comes from. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I, I kind of talk about in that podcast, and I haven't given Laura a chance to listen to it. But anyway, I talk about. Um, it's extremely apparent to me that that story was written by a queer person. Uh, at the lead, and I because I ha- just happen to know that. But she's also. Um, I mean, even if she wasn't, it was. It's just reads that way and it's about shame and secrets and hiding parts of yourself. And uh, I guess this one has a little bit of that, but I think for the most part, you're right that I think I and you both 
talking about this wanted to avoid a closet story. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and maybe that is, I've never thought about it before, but because we're, uh, we're not gay, then that's more of a foreign feeling for us uh, or foreign experience. So it's harder to write about that. But yeah, um, I think for us too, it's, it has been done better uh, than we could do. So didn't really want to try to do it and not have it yeah. be good. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that she did it and we didn't try and do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would have messed that up. I feel wrong inside. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> if it's wrong, uh, I don't want to be right. Uh, can't uh, quit you. Sorry. Can't quit you. So anyway, okay. So, uh, going back to the, why we wrote, why I wrote this and then pulled Laura into it. It started oh, yeah. out as a one-shot, so the prelude is the original one-shot story. Mm. And I think I had some of the backstory kind of in my head, or maybe it was starting. I think I wrote it, and I was like, man, I want to write more. And at that point, I had never really finished any big fic. I had done one-shots, and I was working on a work in progress for a yeah. Jessica Jones fic, which yeah. I still want to finish. But anyway, um, so it was... Sort of an ambi- I had had ambitious plans for stories before and never gotten anywhere. But somehow I just thought I'm excited enough about this story that I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I started writing and I would just, Laura, as we said, um, works nights and she's generally busier and she was taking classes at the time. But I would just on our WhatsApp chat say, Hey, can you read this? Can you read this? Yeah. I, I was then- like living for updates. It was one of the few joys in my routine at the time, too. Aww. Um, but I do remember, I remember editing the prelude. And we edited kind of, that a lot, yeah, actually. It, I think it was quite different, just in the order of things. Yeah. Um, and I, I might even still have the document that has the edits in it, but that was, I remember. Yeah, I think we do. Trying to be useful in that regard. You have but, a little section in Johnny's, so the... The prelude is like half of Johnny's point of view, and then it goes to Daniel. And in jo- and I think you write Johnny really well, and, and a lot of your contributions to this fic is Johnny's point of view. Yeah. Um, but there's a great line um, Johnny's talking about. He knows that it was weird how often he thought about Daniel. Tom- that Tommy made a joke one day about Dan. Oh, God damn it. That Tommy made a joke one day about Johnny's new rebound, Danielle, so that Tommy had to be popped in the jaw and told to shut the fuck up about shit he didn't know about. <laughs> and that was great. So that's, yeah, that's that, all you right there. That's funny. That's one of the few I think I'm really happy with. Oh, yeah. I love- I, just like you were talking about, like, you, you lose faith in yourself. I, I reread a lot of those little portions that I wrote and think, oh, Sarah sh- just should have written this because it would have been better if Sarah just written this part. <laughs> but uh, You know what? Especially in um, – and we'll go through this. It's, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but in the in the part, uh, you're going to hear a lot of mouse clicking. Sorry about this. In chapter six, which is part three, which is the retrospective kind of rewind back to the backstory that you didn't know about. Uh, there's a section with Johnny at a di- at a restaurant, an outdoor restaurant with his mother. I got so many compliments on that, and I had to be like that entire section oh. Laura wrote. No, really, if you read the comments, and you probably remember some of it, um, that was a well-loved one, as was, I think you and me both worked on the very last section where Johnny's coming oh. back from the tournament, and it's just all sad Johnny angst. 
you wrote Lord. that whole thing. And then actually, the one... Ah, uh, shit. Wait, the prelude or... Let's see. Sorry, no, the, no. I'm, not prelude, I'm talking about... Blog is what I meant. Um, no, just the the set, the part, you know, where we do all the, the past scenes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, you're okay. The one where it's after the tournament, Johnny comes home, cracks open a beer, and he's sad. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote that whole one. There's some other stuff uh, I could point out, but anyway, I think your Johnny point of view is really strong. That's great. Yeah, I um, I think your Daniel's so good that I just tried a little harder to contribute something, and I thought maybe I can do uh, some some Johnny. Tried to yeah, do and uh, I've got a few things on this outline to talk about. One of them was voice, actually, which fits real well into that because. Yeah. Um, the, after the prelude, the chapter, um, it's called a uh, second chapter, the middle, which is May. Um, mm-hmm. it's the first scene is Johnny waking up after they've had this morning, this uh, encounter with each other. Oh no, no. It's Daniel waking up in the first scene. And then you get Johnny waking right, up. Right. Right. And the first sentence is that his first thought on waking, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> and the whole section is really uh, – has a real strong voice like that. And I know Gia uh, commented that she loved that that switching voice, and she picks up on stuff like that. She's really – Smart gal. Conscious of – she's a smart gal, old Gia467. <laughs> um, but she picked up on that and loved that. And I think that's maybe the most apparent section where the voice changes. Yeah, I think uh, – um, I think you've got a lot. two different writers, you know? Yes, True. But I think uh, when you started, um, you had a very strong Daniel to begin with. But I think as you got along, when you did have Johnny sections, you got better and better. And by the end with the epilogue stuff, I mean, that I think that whole epilogue is you. I don't remember writing any epilogue. And it's so strong. Oh, thanks. Um, but, I do uh, like that epilogue. So maybe I was able to, uh, I don't know key you into something and then you were able to play off of that with Johnny. I Johnny's interesting because um, unlike Daniel and the Karate Kid, we're getting quite a flat character. So yep. uh, in a way, the only thing that's like more three-dimensional is the very end when he hands the trophy over. Yep. You're all right, LaRusso. And that's uh, – Zabka talks about in interviews how that's what he keyed into and that's what helped him create – in his mind, a more full Johnny. But I think, in if you're honest with the movie, The Karate Kid, you don't, you really don't get all. Uh, you're not able to get a very full sense of who Johnny is. He's just a, kind of a dick. Yeah, he's good looking. He's rich. He's possessive. He's aggressive. But uh, then you know that. But that so that creates a lot of potential for uh, room to be creative with him. That maybe. Daniel's a little more fully formed. Although still with this whole thing with the relationship that you've created, um, I think you've, it's like a trick of being creative, but also being true to the characters that were given, particularly in Cobra Kai. Yeah. It's kind of hard going back and reading and trying to decide if you've done a good job of realistically jumping off from Canon and some people don't care about Canon. Lots of people do. I think, that's a the nice part about fan fiction is that when you read it, you know your reader has a a baseline understanding of who the character is. But it makes it more tricky because if you fuck it up, 
It's obvious. That's the ones that I turn off too quickly as if it's obviously not in character. I get a little turned off pretty quick. I can't say anyone in particular, but yeah. Yeah. Allie's kind of interesting. She's hard to do because there's not that much of her that you have to work from in the show. But I I see a lot of, especially in the teen LaRusso, where Allie's kind of the barrier between the romance that the reader wants to see and the writer just makes her (laughs) this hysterical, terrible. And she's like, the reason, I mean, Allie's a huge part of that, making that movie successful because she's so uh, charming. She is a popular girl, but there's something that she sees in Daniel who's objectively a loser. Like he's a new guy. Nobody knows him. But they kind of connect because he's uh, he cared enough to get the radio back, even though just looking at him, you're yeah. like, well, he's going to get the shit beat out of him. But he has kind of a a nerve and a uh, a chutzpah, chutzpah. I don't know <laughs> to him that he yeah he didn't even hesitate to you know try and get the radio back. It didn't matter that Johnny was like three times his size. <laughs> he was just like, well, uh, it was wrong for him to take the radio. So I'm going to try and get it back. So yeah. he has kind of a black and white morality in that way, which I think we see in the show as well. Yeah. But anyway, yep. Lots of people kind of give Allie the short shrift. I yes. Think. She really was a wonderful character. And uh, I think you've done great stuff with her in, um, uh, particularly in the Dutch story that you wrote. If, if folks haven't read that, you really need to go back and read that. Um, She's definitely different on, in that. I like it. On the it. Run. Yeah. 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 Interesting take with her in there. And then with your recent uh, update with Book of Job, um, with that flashback, that was awesome. Thanks. I, I think I like that. I mean, that alley is definitely truer to the alley we see in the movie. Yeah. Um, the one in the Dutch fic is kind of like my imagining her as kind of an unhappy. 30 years later, she's yeah. lived this whole life. So she can be really different in in my particular take on that, it was that she's basically been working real hard, but probably not in a super happy marriage and yeah. kind of going back to the valley and like, you know, getting getting sucked in by your past, by these surroundings yeah. that you remember and, the, and then these people. And yeah. you're having dinner with like two of your ex-boyfriends <laughs> yeah. who are now together, which is weird. Yeah. Oh, man. That was fun to do because it was so awkward, but. Yes. Anyway, that well. that's that's in Take It on the Run, but I don't I don't think Allie's even in. Well, she's briefly in this in the in Susan's birthday party in that scene, but you don't really get any of Allie in this one. I yeah. don't think. It reminds me of, like one of the, my favorite lines in there in No Mercy is um, I think it's in Johnny's head when he um, I believe it's at the bar after Tommy's funeral, and uh, Johnny's just looking at Daniel or something and thinking. That the, the the shit that happens to you in high school has a funny way of sticking with you your whole life. And so it's these yeah. times when, like with Allie, when she's all of a sudden stuck in the past or, or brought back into the past. Yeah, yanked back. It's like if you've ever had an experience where you haven't been around your friends from high school or college or whatever in a long time. And then you suddenly in that environment again, it's really weird. It is weird. It's like you're trying to, you're kind of yeah. strangers and you're trying to remember what the dynamic was, but everyone's just a little bit different. Yeah. So it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. And if you had like any insecurities at the time, then they're, they're, they're like right back there again. Like, yeah. 
it's, it's like I actually had uh, met a lot of people that I used to hang out with in college recently at a kind of a wake for a friend that had died recently. Yep. And uh, it, it was really – and I had a, a lot of insecurities when I was 20. Now I'm 30, and I'm much more comfortable with myself. But I found myself – like, even though it's good to see these people, like, in a way being uncomfortable because I, I just felt right back there again, even though everyone's, like, different and in a way even friendlier and uh, everyone's got their own lives and they've got kids and stuff. It's just strange how it doesn't take much to be pulled right back into whether it's good or bad, a place that you yeah. were. It's a reminder of who you were. Yeah. It's like they're not – you're seeing them as a new person, but you're remembering – who you were in that context. And yes, yeah, especially in your twenties or high school, it's like for most of us, we don't really want to go back to that. Yeah. Which is what's cool about Johnny and Daniel meeting again after 30 years. Yeah. It's like, um, immediately right back there again with yes. that year that ruined everything for them in 1984. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I had a thought and it's, that's giving okay. me now. But it um yeah, they just kind of even though they've become different people, it reminds them of the people that they were. And in some ways, even though Daniel's successful in the show thirty years later, you know, one of the obvious things is that he's left some things behind. Mm. You know, he's not the most likable character. Lots of people don't like Daniel, and I love Daniel, but um they don't I give feel him like a lot they of need to watch Karate Kid and Yeah. <laughs> and the, and their their thing is like oh Daniel's forgotten who he was and that is uh that's part of it you know it's like yeah. he uh he was an outsider and he found Mr Miyagi and karate yeah. was important to him and over thirty years he just kind of became uh you know other things which is a family man and a husband and a father yeah you know, I don't know I think season three and beyond is going to be a lot of Daniel finding uh, the karate kid within himself again, which, which <laughs> yeah. we already know is in a way is uh, Miguel. Miguel and yeah. Daniel are, are basically the same <laughs> sort of person from the karate, Daniel and the karate kid. And then Miguel now, Miguel is the new karate kid. Yeah. Johnny's got this like parallel with Miyagi is the handyman. And um, it All really kinds does, of strange yeah. crossover parallels there. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot going on the show, but. But anyway, yeah, in this one, uh, it's basically supposed to be um, one of the things that they're dragged back into is uh, this romance. And you don't know it. I think one of the things I like about this is that the structure of it, it's that you go into Mm. it thinking that it's just this chemistry between these two characters and they get drunk and they kiss and it starts this affair but what you don't know is that there uh, were earlier events, spoiler alert, yeah. that you don't find out until six chapters in. But there are little sprinkled hints, which is, you know, Poet Dameron does that so well. And hers is a little more like tangled up memory. It's a one shot. But yep. Um, yep. you think, I think in this one, structure wise, which I love playing with structure, it's like you think you have a beginning, a rising action, uh, a climax. And then when you get to that climax, which is essentially when Amanda finds out and Daniel goes over to Johnny's house and he's like, she knows. And they have this big fight and Johnny kind of tells him like, what do you want from me? You're never going to leave your family. Daniel's like, I love you. 
And, but they're just at this impasse where it's not going to work. And Daniel leaves and slams the door and, uh, cut the, the end of that chapter. And then instead of going to like, uh, how they're going to resolve this, yeah. all of a sudden you get part six, which is called Back to the Beginning. So you actually start in the middle. I was kind of playing with the titles of the sections. You start with the middle and then you go back to the beginning and it's like this hard stop and then a rewind. Yeah. And you go back to, 2011 when Mr. Miyagi died and then you keep going back and back yeah. and back and back in time. I remember discussing that. Like what yeah. we should do with that. And I remember, I do remember thinking I didn't want it to be back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Because I, yes. I think a lot of at the time, especially like we've seen a lot of TV shows do that. Lost. And in the end it's just fucking confusing. Yeah, there's a difference and, between disorienting in a, in a way that makes sense and that's calculated and just like making people dizzy and confused. Yeah. And you're thinking, like, what date is it? What date is it? But yes. so to have that and the past section, so it's in a way, too, it's really nice because that scene was so heavy that you ended with in the previous section. And then instead of having to launch into this, like, heavy conversation with Amanda and Daniel that you're yeah. sort of dreading, it's like, oh, all of a sudden it's 2011 and something else interesting is happening. And Hopefully, I think it reads really well as it we re- rewind and slowly more and more is revealed. I think it worked out really well, but I think it uh, did too. And I uh, initially, just a note on that, um, I was going to stop originally after the party. So, and that's like the big reveal. I wanted it to feel like a bucket of water earlier in the fic as they're having this affair. You hear there's these little sprinkles in the prose if you read closely. Uh, water, water, and the yeah something moonlight on the water, or the mystic chords of memory. I can't remember what I said. Yeah, um, or d- uh, memory. Uh, just a real flash sentence of Johnny remembering like a moonlight on the planes of his back as he hopped over the fence, or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. And you're not yeah. quite. Sh- my idea was that you're not quite sure what that is yet. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I. There's even like a line in the previous scene when Jan- Daniel and Johnny are having the big fight, and they say. Daniel wants to talk about that night, the yeah. night. Yeah. So it's actually pretty – by that point, you should sort of know that there's something pre-existing that caused all this these feelings. So mm-hmm. anyway, it shouldn't be a huge surprise, but I wanted it to, to feel a little bit like a surprise. You go, oh, fuck. Like, this is what happened. So they get high and they go swimming. Yep. Yes, lots of feelings. Get high and they go swimming and they kiss and it's like revelatory. It's awesome. And then it just kind of falls apart immediately. And then it's like 30 years of like reflecting on this. But anyway, I think what I was saying was I was going to end right there. Um, but you had written this early on. You had written this last scene from December 19th, 1984, the night of the tournament. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I, w- I loved it, but I was kind of concerned that, like, it sort of takes away from the effect that you rewind all the way back there instead of rewinding at the critical event in the romance, which would be ending after the party. Yeah. But if you read through the comments, people love that scene. And I was able to, you have a line, the last line of that chapter is that, um, poor Johnny is, you know, so after yeah. the tournament, he's home alone watching Star Trek. He's got a a bag of frozen peas on his face because his face hurts from his nose getting kicked. Yeah. And the last line of that is, there is no horizon anymore. And it really gets to the 
the root of Johnny's the beginning of the end for him. I think the you know the hardest thing for him was the death of his mother, but losing that tournament was losing Cobra Kai, yeah. losing his identity as the king of karate in the valley. Uh, it's and it's the, just the, the beginning of the end. Yep. Yeah. And then I was able to use people loved that line. And then I was able to bring that line back in the epilogue. So I think it worked out really well. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I don't remember exactly where the line came from. Cause I like it too. Cause there's just so something so heartbreaking about Johnny. And, yeah. um, I think that's why people love him so much. Sort of, uh, it's not, it's like he's pathetic, but, um, there's a little bit. Just, the, yeah. It is just very, he's sad. Um, and in the end, he does lose a lot in, in the Karate Kid. Um, I mean, that's what the fun of uh, Justice for Johnny comes from. You know, he's just lost his girlfriend. And just, yeah. <laughs> you might as well have lost like, his car, too, or killed his dog or something. Like, it's like a country song, it should be. Yeah. Or Johnny. But the more we learn about him, especially in Cobra Kai, it's like this guy that has no real father figure at home. Um, his mother is someone who he loves very much, but... The, Sid makes that difficult. And then that's just, this, this is like this idea that like life turned out to be really, really exhausting and hard and depressing and, uh, disappointing in so many ways. And it's like, it's so, I think for a lot of us that are maybe nerds in high school or, or uh, just not particularly popular, um, we like to make fun of the, the peakers, Pe- people who peaked in high school or people that were, uh, popular. Um, but in the end they're, they're human too. And so this idea that he, like, this was when Johnny peaked, like right before he gets kicked in the face by this little nerd LaRusso. Um, it's like, you know, in the karate kid, uh, Daniel's a hero, obviously, and, and you can't not love Daniel if you really key in on Karate Kid. He's such a great character. But it is, like, just so sad. Um, and where the big three have taken this in Cobra Kai is so awesome. Um, they've just made him more human. They've yeah. flushed out that character. So Unzapka just is, like, the best at looking like the sad drunk <laughs> that had so much potential, this golden god that, like, fell away and faded away and just is just struggling. And then um, there's and then you start to see the little glimmers again and he's puts on the gear. Yeah, he's getting and that he's mojo back. The like sweetness the, that you the get Iron to Eagle see. scene was so good. You know, get oh, back. Why does they that took work? Oh, like it's that so pilot good. the more I see that pilot, like that pilot is just so solid and awesome. It gives me gives me the chills every time I Iron I Eagle it. is a genius. A stroke of yeah. genius. Yeah. And they said, um, I can't remember what it was about filming that scene. Like, uh, they didn't have it, um, on a TV for Zabka to watch or something, but they had it playing in the background. And yeah. I can't remember. There was something that made it oh, maybe slightly more difficult, but it was just, they were talking about sitting in, I think it was maybe one of the first scenes they filmed. Cause I think, I'm, I'm sure they did all of the grizzly bearded Johnny yeah. filming first. It was thinner too, like you said. Yeah. And uh, he just had to sit in a chair and, like, get emotional over Iron Eagle. Yeah. But he they were, like... He plays an excellent drunk, by the way. Like, oh, I've he does. seen floppy drunks, and um, he, well, he's, like, struggling to pour the 
the hard liquor into the beer can or whatever oh, he's doing. Yeah. He's drinking it out of the <laughs> You're can. Just like, or into the, I can't remember if it's Coke or beer that he's pouring it in with, but uh, he, um, anyway, but he's, he's just so sloppy and not cartoonishly though. He, she just really looks like a drunk person. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, you know, they were saying, um, the big three were in that dark room in that apartment watching him tear up at Iron Eagle. And they were just like blown away. And they were like, <laughs> we didn't know it was, even we didn't know it was going to be this good. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Waiting to be done. Oh, but yeah, gosh. That, that, I think that picture of Johnny, like just kind of like struggling in this shitty apartment with this shitty life is like, so, uh, you know, you just, you just got to hook onto that and, uh, yeah. there's a potential there. So gaining that horizon again, or having something to live for, having something to look forward to, uh, in his relationship with Daniel, that's like, the heart of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't write not happy endings. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't do it. the point either. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gosh, what uh, what else should we go into? There's a um, lot on this. these notes I took about structure or style or, the, you know, I think the themes of the story are pretty obvious. It's called the midlife, you know, no mercy for the midlife crisis. Yeah. It's about getting halfway through your life and realizing maybe your life isn't how it's supposed to be or you're not with yeah. the person that you're supposed to be with. Yeah. Rediscovering yourself. And I thought it was kind of, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, a midlife crisis is kind of like teenage angst. Yeah. But just for 50 year olds. Yeah. So I think- there is some teen angst with Sam and Robbie and Miguel in this a little bit. Yes. I think that's why I like a lot of the stuff you write too, because you don't write off those minor characters like some people do. I mean, some of the Miguel stuffs like the sweetest parts of this, and the Robbie, and uh, e- even Sam. Oh, and Anthony. We're going to talk about Anthony. Oh yeah. And how much more you added to that character? And I, yeah. I hope we get something like that because the series is uh, is about fathers and sons, and yet somehow, geez, it's like the show's forgotten them. And I'm hoping that. The big three did that on purpose. You know, we don't get a lot of Anthony because here's another part of Daniel's life that he's sort of neglected. And wouldn't that yeah. be cool if that comes back to us and we get um, a reckoning of between Daniel and Anthony? Yeah, it, I mean, I think there's, yeah. I think Samantha is the rightful inheritor to Daniel's karate mantle. I mean, I think in a way she's the son, obviously, but. Sure, sure. But also this, the show, like you said, it's about. And Hayden Schlossberg has said this. It's about fathers and sons. And, you know, that doesn't have to be at the expense of female characters, although some people argue that the females in the show are given short shrift. But you can't, you can't, you don't have time to give everybody a full fleshing out. Yeah. But it is interesting that it's about fathers and sons. So it's about the absence of fathers, especially Daniel's own father dying and then Mr. Miyagi, his replacement father, dying and Johnny's mm-hmm. father not wanting anything to do with him. And John are repeating yeah. that mistake and leaving Robbie uh, and Miguel's father is nowhere to be found. So it yep. is about fathers and sons. So you're right. There is a noticeable neglect of Anthony as a son. Yeah, he's just a fat kid yeah. who drinks the butter. Yeah. But yeah. He's a joke. Yeah. Um, and what was I going to say? I think there's even like people and this might just be a little you know, something people found by zooming in. But there's some picture, I think, on Daniel's dresser or in the bedroom or something. And it's a family picture, but like Anthony's not in it. It's just like, oh, wow. (laughs) I don't know. I'll have to recheck that one. But it's like, poor Anthony is just up in his room on his computer. 
and you know everyone else is in this karate drama and he's yeah, kind of like up there play, playing uh fault you know whatever kids play these days um i can't remember what i have him ask he plays some video game and he asks uh miguel and johnny about later but anyway uh, oh man yeah anthony was fun he was fun to write obviously he's a he's comic relief but i really liked the idea of this thing where daniel's training robbie and johnny's training anthony and i thought oh anthony's such a natural cobra he's he's an asshole he's a slytherin for sure (laughs) you know yeah and uh you have what he lacks is the discipline that daniel has not given him Right. That's the whole thing is that Cobra Kai, you know, there's some bad parts to it. Um, you know, no mercy is no way to live a life. But there is yeah. this sense that actually Cobra Kai is kind of exactly what some of these kids need. They yeah. need a kick in the pants. We're in this snowflakey world and people won't like using that sometimes. But, you know, these kids haven't really okay. faced any real adversity. And yeah. so... Cobra Kai, you know, getting punched in the nose is something uh, that makes you... Tougher Life does that all the time and get used yes. to it and learn how to strike back. Yeah, and ho- obviously the the whole theme of what Cobra Kai can do for you as far as flipping the script, we see that in Hawk primarily, and he obviously takes it too far. But in a way, yeah. you can make a real argument that Hawk's life is noticeably better as Hawk than it was as Eli. Yeah, he goes from one extreme to the other, and yes. yeah, you hope. And then what the show's all about is going to be finding this like happy medium. Balance. Balance. The gray, as Johnny says. Yeah. Johnny Lawrence's Cobra Kai. Johnny Lawrence's Cobra Kai is in the gray. That's right. Sometimes you show mercy. So that's going to be the whole direction of the show. But yeah. um, but anyway, it was fun getting Anthony into Cobra Kai, into a gi, and having him and Johnny interact. I mean, that scene in the show when oh, uh, Johnny's about. eating breakfast and so Anthony funny. comes in and he's staring him down. Yeah. And he's like, That's great. Got any got any ketchup? And Anthony's like, get it yourself. You know, and they're just they're just like staring. It's like a Western. It's so great. And I hope we see more comparisons yeah. between Anthony and Daniel. And he's such a little shit. And Daniel was a little shit, you know. So Yeah, yeah. It's just like maybe if Daniel had been rich growing up. He would have been more like Anthony. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah obviously the the show is about class and yep. I don't know that I touched too much on class, but it's all implied, you know, with Well, receiving yeah. Yeah, up in the hills versus down closer to the ground, like it's a literal metaphor. Yeah. Um highs and lows and rich and poor. Receiving yeah, rats and Encito brats. Oh, I like that. You're right. I did like that line at the at the graduation. Yeah, you did that was your line. It's a good line. It is. Um, yeah, Encino Brats and Reseda Rats, all one and the same. Like, you can't tell the difference when they're all wearing their little graduation caps. Yeah. Which is cute. Oh, just some couple plot things I enjoyed in this story was that I wanted to, like, the tagline of the story is season two, but gayer. <laughs> so I wanted to have, I wanted to have some, like, mirror versions of some of these fun scenes from season two. So you get a reverse of the dojo walkout. So in the show, when Daniel Daniel's dojo gets trashed and he hot steps it over to Cobra Kai <laughs> and he's yeah. super pissed and he's got his little sneakers all over the mat <laughs> and uh, he he verbally takes down Johnny and walks out and then some of the kind of vanilla Cobras, I don't know what you call yeah. them, guys yeah. that weren't super comfortable in Cobra Kai, they follow Daniel out. So I was like, well, I got this idea. I knew I wanted to do the dojo tra- trashing. 
And I had this idea, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you've got all the Cobra Kai's over there and then Kreese comes over and he kind of pulls out the extreme kids. So it's like the exact mirror opposite. Right, uh, right. Uh, reverse walkout. So Kreese yeah. comes up and he's like, this humiliation is over. And he grabs the uh, Tori and Hawk and Mitch and kind of all the asshole kids. Yeah. And then Miguel and Aisha and Bert and some of the other kids that end up in Miyagi-Do in the show, those guys all stay. I mean, Aisha and Miguel don't join Miyagi-Do. They're just, they're Johnny's kids for sure. Mm -hmm. But that gives the opportunity for Chris to find Miyagi-Do and those other kids. And uh, I like that. Uh, You get the alternate salsa date. So this is the angstier, angstier, gayer Less fun salsa date. There's yeah, like not, a not much fun. Angsty bathroom seat. So they still show Daniel and Amanda still show up, um, just like they do in the show. Only this time, this is after this is after there's like a, this cool off period where Daniel basically opens his mouth and says, "I love you, Johnny," and then Johnny's <sighs> like, "Um," and I think he really is there maybe emotionally, but he doesn't know what to say. And then Daniel's like. Oh god, that was stupid. And then, he le- and then he just says, "Okay, well, we should probably um cool it for a while." Okay, bye. And he just leaves. Typical Daniel's talking too much. Yes, and then they both wallow in misery for a couple of weeks. I don't mm, remember what the timeline excellent. is. Yep. Yes, mm, wallowing. And then they both end up running into each other at the salsa date. So it's like the circumstances are the same, but the emotional circumstances are totally different. Yes. Yeah, and that's when you kind of really kick off. The, there's a hint at Amush, Amanda and Anoush getting together. I wanted oh, to yes. give Amanda somebody, and Libertine Past had done such great work with pairing <laughs> up Amanda and Anoush, and they're just so cute and quirky together. It so works. Um, yes. Amanda kind of just like he worships her. He does. I love that. I love Anoush worshiping Amanda. She's so uh, beautiful and tall and commanding and funny. And so the yes. reader is really just a noosh. We all just want to worship Amanda. <laughs> but um, anyway, so there's some hints about that earlier, but Amanda essentially figures out what's going on, goes to the, to the ladies' room, calls a noosh. Oh, Libertine Pass made up. She calls an Anuber, like A N U B E R, a noosh. Well done. Well done. And anyway, so that kind of starts off that end game with them but anyway it's just an and there's a nice little conversation on the sidewalk between daniel and johnny and then the last kind of like parallel scene that i thought of anyway there might be more but the alternate cobra kai takeover so the end game uh the last scene where crease does indeed still take the dojo from johnny except instead of johnny kind of betraying cobra kai uh in the student's eyes by letting miguel get injured in the school fight in this story, the school fight doesn't happen, um, but Johnny's betrayal is instead being too close to Daniel, letting uh, Anthony is, let's see, I guess Anthony's in Cobra Kai, so that's not really a reason, but, um, oh, I training guess it's just a Johnny training a LaRusso, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, his own son being trained at Miyagi-Do and uh, allowing all those other kids to walk out and join Miyagi-Do uh, and also screwing Daniel. <laughs> There's yeah. like a line about... Crease implying like sleeping with the enemy, sleeping with the enemy. Exactly. Yeah, that was like, ooh, that gave me like, ooh, no, no, scary a little bit. This is scary. He's scary in that scene, and uh, and that and a little bit of public shaming for Johnny because even though 
He's totally in love with Daniel. He's he's still not comfortable with the gay thing. Yes. And I think that's more explored in some of the stories I wrote in Universe Aft and in the epilogue. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Kreese kind of publicly shames him. And I liked, oh yeah, I liked the idea, because in the show it's very clear the symbolism of that back room. It's yeah. green, and it's low light, and it's scary. And the It's like the belly of the beast. It's like right. the snake. Right. It's Kreese's lair back there. That's the difference between Johnny's Cobra Kai and the light with the sun coming in, and it's fun and cool. Aww. And then you go back into the back room, and it's dark and sinister. And every time, like, when Kreese kind of um, s- almost seduces Hawk into trashing the dojo, it's back in that room. You know, Hawk's is just vibrating with anger, and he's punching the shit out of that yeah. bag. And Kreese is like, the battle's not over till it's over. You know, and you don't see that conversation, but you know that's where it happened is in that back room. So anyway, I wanted that last confrontation to be in the back, in the belly of the beast. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Scary. Scary indeed. <laughs> but alas, it has a happy ending, don't worry. But there is kind of the lingering, the, the uh, story doesn't resolve that there actually is indeed, Kreese takes over Cobra Kai. So yes, um, it's... It's uh, in further stories after this one that we explore what Johnny does after. But Yeah, we'll have to wait for season three. Yes. But the point is, I think uh, he does lose the dojo, but he gains love and he gets his son Aww. back. I was purposeful in the at the end of the story. The last scene isn't Daniel and Johnny embracing or whatever. The actual, that does happen. But then the last scene is uh, Johnny and Robbie hugging. And it says, uh, I'll just read this little bit because I like it. They're hugging and Robbie says, I'm sorry about Cobra Kai. Johnny says, he can have it. And they hug. And then uh, the, let's see, I'll just read. He thinks briefly about the dojo he'd started a year ago, about all the things he's gained and all the things he's lost. And he thinks none of that matters because he has what he needs right here in his arms. And the rest of his heart is beating just a few feet down a carpeted hallway. Right now, he doesn't need anything else. Right now, the rest is just details, and it can wait. Thank God, but it can wait. So it's very heartwarming. It's yeah, Johnny it's getting nice. his son back, uh, which was kind of one of his original sins. So yeah. he loses the dojo, but he gets a karate boyfriend, and he gets his son back. Yay! So it's a very happy ending. And then the last, there is an epilogue. And, of course, as I said, the last line of that epilogue is, he looks out the living room window, and it's all horizon. Yeah. Which yeah. is a direct contrast to there is no horizon. And I love too the little the little reference back to Tommy and if Tommy could see him. Oh yeah, that's just so, yeah. He only wishes Tommy was alive that he can give him a call to tell him the good news that he has made it right this time and that failure is the last thing on his mind. Yeah, that's a nice little line. Yeah, I think overall we're we're very happy with how it turned out. I think so. I remember you telling me that you had said that the the one hundred thousand is a little bit of an unruly beast. Uh, word count wise yeah um, there's definitely some editing i could do on this thing it's just a lot it's like you start going back and you're like shit this is a hundred and eleven thousand words i feel like i you know should have been able to do it less than that and if i went back and really edited it edited it i could probably shave off ten thousand words i mean i don't know maybe maybe not that many but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, not I, that many. That's a whole chapter's worth. But. I think sometimes when we're looking around for something to read on fan fiction or on AO3, um, sometimes you're looking for 
a 5,000 word thing, or sometimes you're looking for something as long as you can find because you you know you want to go on a journey. And, and if you like the author or if you find something that you like, then you're willing to put in that time. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it just depends on what, what you're in the mood for. So it's in a fandom, it's nice to have a variety. Yes. It's nice to have some long ones and some short ones to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gosh. What uh, I think I wanted to just, I mentioned structure. I was just going to, I don't want to go through all this. This is, maybe I'll just put it on the screen notes. Yeah, um, that's fine. But yeah, I have, it's structured uh, in five sections. Or essentially, you got, there actually are eight chapters, but that's because uh, I put it in five parts. But part two, which is the main narrative, is actually in four chapters because it's so long. And that's the main story building is in part two, which is called the middle. So you yes. have part one, prelude, part two, the middle, part three, back to the beginning, part four, the end, and then the epilogue. So essentially you have, instead of a beginning, middle, and end, you have- A stage play. Middle, beginning, end. Five acts, uh, five act play is what mm-hmm. I was going for. So yeah, prelude is your open opening introductory act. The middle is all your rising action. Then you hit the back to the beginning part, and it's like stop, rewind, go back through time. Um, and it also kind of almost tacks on this whole rising action that you didn't know about. So it almost – it's like a zoom out. Yeah. The story yep. is bigger than you thought it was. Yep. You thought you knew the structure of the story, that it was beginning, middle, and end. But you realize that what you thought was the beginning is really in the middle – so that's what that whole naming thing is. You know, part two is the mi- the middle, and right. then part three is the beginning, and then you get the end, which is really the beginning. Uh, um, <laughs> the beginning of their lives together. It all goes um, back further than you thought. Yeah, so it is kind of this function. I like I like thinking about structure and style. So it is this function of like getting that backstory is almost like zooming the camera out. And you get that rising action that you didn't know was yeah. even there. So adds a little bit more weight to everything, too. Yes, it does. Which is nice. Yeah, I was looking up because um, I have I had sort of a idea of structure, and I that was all just kind of I made that up. And then I was actually looking on the internet, like, oh, what do literature MAs know about? Um, and I was looking at examples of interesting structure. There's a lot of articles, and a lot of them talk about. They they give examples. One of them is Christopher Nolan's Memento. Remember that movie? Oh yeah, I I used to be pretty obsessed with Christopher Nolan, and now I'm kind of like mm, I think he's a little too clever for his own. Him and Jonathan a little too clever for their own good. Like they get lost in the cleverness. Um, it's almost needlessly complicated. That oh movie. my god. Yeah, I mean it's it's actually it's it's really. I don't know if I've gotten stupider or what, but lately when I watch. Uh, Anything by them, whether it's I, I kind of got burned out on Westworld because. Uh, oh, is that the Nolans? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's mostly Jonathan Nolan. Okay. The brother, and it's um, it's very smart writing, but I, I think sometimes uh, at the expense of like the viewer. It's always a question of how much do you want the viewer to be with you, and how much do you want to, uh, you know, let them get lost a little bit. How, how much work should they be doing and how much work should you be doing? Right. That's That could be a whole thing we talk about yeah. in literature. Like David Foster Wallace talking about good literature versus um, stuff that requires less work on the part of the reader. I think one thing – we don't have to go into it all, but one thing I would say that I try and do that I like when authors do is that when 
Not everything is fucking explained all at once. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, it's always um, the, the example is expository dialogue, which is, well, John, as you know, remember when we did, you know, um, that's remember just when we were kids and I used to beat up on you. Yeah. You know, that was because I liked you. Extreme example of bad writing. Right. But yeah. um, just no, not- I had it all handed to you. You could expect the reader to have some intelligence and to be able to do some of that work. And th- and that's when they're at their best. It's like these hints of things. And, you know, and th- that's why television's so good now, because it gives us some credit that we're intelligent people that can follow. Right. Sitcoms and television in the 90s. Literally training you when you can laugh. Yes, the laugh track. It's telling you when to laugh. It's so annoying. Yeah, and when David Foster Wallace was writing about television, that's what he was talking about. It's like, it's this hypnotizing thing that you sit in front of this box, and it's just like the box in Batman Forever that the Riddler puts the thingy on top that sucks your brain away. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's just hypnotizing you. The box. And yeah, you don't have to do any work. It just yeah, totally entertains passive. you. So, and, you know, sometimes it's fun to watch bad TV, but it, it's really stupid. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's really draining. Whereas now, even a show like Cobra Kai or especially a show like The Wire or yeah. um, any good TV show these days, it's like, it's it's artwork and it's um, it trusts the viewer. And it also knows that it's easier for the viewer that you can sit there and binge it and absorb all the details uh, and you don't have to remind the viewer of like what happened last week yeah yeah yeah, you know um but anyway gosh uh, yeah i guess memento is an interesting if you want to learn about it's a lot of fun structure um that's an interesting one it is almost needlessly it's too complicated really but you have these um these two it's basically about memory and the loss of memory and amnesia and there's these two different timelines one's in color one's in black and white and one runs forward and one runs backwards. And then, yeah. and then wow. it's not only just that. And then they cut them together to alternate. The reader, the Always viewer is so disoriented, overwhelmed and disoriented, just yeah. like somebody that has amnesia. That's the whole point, which is also, it's called a uh, form and content. It's this, uh, you know, the actual content is about an amnesiac and the way the story is presented is like you have amnesia, <laughs> which a lot of people are like, fuck this movie. I hate this. But yeah. it is interesting if you're into film or if you're a film nerd, that's definitely one that you have to watch. And that, oh, yeah, that's. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. My dog means we have to stop soon. Right. He's a bit of a whiner. Yep. But anyway, I'll, I'll put in the show notes. There's some great. Uh, articles I found on this Russian terminology called fabula and sujet. And fabula is the chronological series of events, like what actually happened, which in Memento is like, uh, well, fuck, I don't remember what happens in that movie. But it's like what actually happens from beginning to end. And sujet is the order that the author or the filmmaker chooses to show those events, the way you tell it. So in this story, the I could have started with the birthday party and them or from the getting tournament. drunk and high and making out or or from the end of the tournament yeah. exactly the very beginning I could have started there and I could have just you know all through the years and then you get to this story and it just wouldn't have worked it would be like I, fatiguing yeah. and you wouldn't have yeah. seen the point of like I don't know you wouldn't have been as invested for, for yeah, whatever I think reason. so too yeah so the the order that you put things in uh, the structure that you choose. Is if you're looking, if you want to kind of mix up your writing or make it more interesting, I would say read those articles yeah. on Fabulous and choose that. And just yeah. remember that uh, 
memory isn't linear. Like, just like I said, I was talking about in the last episode about um, Poet Dameron's. That's the whole thing about that story is that it's like this this like memory that keeps coming back and back and back until mm-hmm. uh, you finally realize that these guys are encountering each other again and falling in love, but you're getting all these things out of order and remembered in kind of this disorienting way. And there's secrets that you don't know about at the beginning that you slowly are made aware of. Um, but it's like, that's the way memory works. We're always wanting to remember or not to remember all the stupid shit that you've done in your life or the things that happened to you or the relationships or failed relationships. They're always coming and going all the time. Yeah. So that's a great style. It's like you don't always have to tell things in order because memory, we don't experience life. Yes, we're going from birth to death and every day proceeds chronologically. Yeah. But the way we're perceiving the world. So the world is like your fabula, but the sujet is your mind absorbing experience. experience and the experience that you've had before and the experiences you want to have. And it's all mixed up together. Yeah. So, the, the presence always kind of soaked through with where you've been. Yeah, there's a great in uh, in the book of Joe, which is my current work in progress. There's a great I love epigraphs, the quotes at the beginning of stories. There's a great one. I actually haven't read it, but it's a novel by John Banville called The Sea. And there's uh, just a one line quote I pulled from it, which is the past beats inside me like a second heart. And it's this idea that it's always right there, the mm. past, and it's sort of a haunting thing. Yes. Anyway, that's structure. So it's a bit, it's mostly linear in this, unlike Poet Dameron's, which is not really linear at all. It's circular in that story. But this one's mostly linear, but you do get the interesting thing of the whole rewind back to the beginning and realizing that what's all happened before. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm almost done with the Poet Dameron fic. Uh, I'm oh, very finished. near the end. It's so, uh, I, I, I sat there yeah. for four hours. And just uh, absorbed it. And yeah. Oh, she did such a great job with that. Yes, she um, did. Yeah. Anyway, actually, that's really a lot of this. Um, I don't know. Anything we've kind of missed or, I mean, you've re- if you've read it, you you know it. If you haven't read this story, um, if you like La Russo, you know, give it a go. Yes, it's please. a long one. But it's, yeah, Laura and I could, and I always, Laura always says, oh, it's your story. But uh, she... I mean, I don't have the parts she did highlighted, but she contributed some amazing sections and really just acted as my editor, which oh. if you're a writer, you know how helpful that is to even just be able to send somebody something and say, can you read this? It's yes. huge. Um, that was probably my biggest role was just always reading and... Um, kept me going writing-wise. Yeah, some motivation. Little oh, yeah. Cheering section. Because you get stuck and you're like, I'm never going to finish this and... You think something sucks, and then especially, you know, having a twin or a sister that has the same taste as you, uh, that you trust. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, you would tell me what you liked or what maybe you didn't quite like, although you're a pretty yeah. easy audience. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't like I didn't like it. I'd just be like, um, I think this is a little too gay or <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. Just But like, oh, uh, you know, thing, things are moving too fast uh, or mm-hmm. – uh, too many exclamation points or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get excited writing a romance, and you just want them to you want them to make out immediately. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you gotta you gotta show that self restraint. <laughs> you gotta you. Here's what usually happens: is you're in bed at night, and you have this genius idea, and you're like, "Wow, this is such an emotionally powerful scene." Then you wake up, you try and write it, and you're like, mm, "This might 
this is, yeah, I think so. And then you uh, put it down and then you reread it and you're like, fuck, this is garbage. This is self-indulgent, <laughs> overdone, uh, melodramatic. It sucks. And then you just have to throw it in the trash can. <laughs> but initially, okay. it's a genius idea. Yeah. It always yeah. starts out really good. Yeah. Yeah. I should talk about just how uh, unproductive I am as a writer, but. Uh, we should talk about your baseball. Yeah, my thick idea. Will it ever happen? Yes, yeah, someday. And it, you, you will notice that Laura and I almost always work in baseball to all of our fix. There is, uh, we are baseball yes. fans. Laura's wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. Um, I am currently wearing that. Giants yep. are, they're hard to hate those bastards. They've got yep. such charismatic players, but they did. We the are the era has ended, but that's okay. Yes, our home team is the Royals, and they lost the World Series to the Giants in 2014. And it was a heartbreaker. Heart yeah. Mad bum, yeah. Madison Bumgarner broke our hearts and got me to notice them too. Yeah, he was incredible, and uh, I've been a fan ever since. He's the King Karate of baseball. Yeah, King Karate for sure. He was that good. Little Timmy Lincecum would be uh, like the Russo. Yeah, yeah. Always hoping for a comeback from Timmy. Yeah, he pitched great. But- actually, the last maybe game five or one of the five, six or seven, he pitched. And I hadn't seen him pitch in a few years because he wasn't doing good. But they yeah. let him uh, do a couple innings in the World Series, and he actually did great. So yeah. it's bittersweet because he's striking out our boys in blue. Yeah, and- he's had a lot of injuries. Oh, it's nice to see him do well. Yeah, everybody loves he. He will be, I think, one of the most players in all of San Francisco Giants and probably all of MLB history. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. He's, I think he's relatable because he's he doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a. Uh, premier athlete. He looks like a everyday goofball. guy. He looks like a yeah, skateboarder. But man, everybody loves Timmy. Yeah, baseball gets worked in. So Laura had this idea. So they obviously, it is grounded in canon that Daniel likes the Mets and Miguel wears a Dodgers jersey. So there's a couple stories where I've got either uh, the guys going to the Dodgers game or talking yes. about the Mets or Daniel's. For me, Daniel's love of the Mets comes from his father. That's just headcanon on my part. Because you can yeah. see in the show, Daniel's got a World Series ball and a hat and a Keith Hernandez uh, bobblehead on his <laughs> desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to do some investigating to figure out that was Keith Hernandez. But anyway, yep. but baseball for me is a big part of Daniel. So it ends up in the stories. But um, yeah, you had this great AU idea. I think it was your idea to begin with. Really? I don't I remember. Think you had made that mood board. Um, uh, oh, Yeah. Well, I, wasn't, I thought maybe it was your initial idea and I made that. And then I think I was just like, please write it, please write it, please write it. And you weren't working on it. And uh, so then oh, I tried to Oh, that's right. That's stuff. right. Yes, you did. I remember you saying, put down what you're doing and write this high school baseball. My idea was that you could do essentially the Karate Kid movie, but with baseball. Yeah. And it actually works really great because arguably the most important position on a baseball team is your starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's perfect for Johnny. First of all, yeah. he's got the physique for it. Hot shot. Just, but he's hot shot. He's, uh, he's super cocky. He's the most important person on the field. And in the Cobras, he is the star. Uh, and you could have Crease as like a coach, like a no holds barred, no mercy, like, yeah. you know, play dirty, slide into the plate, you know, take out some poor catcher. Like break his ankle, kind of anything to get home, kind of philosophy. Because yeah, there are lots yeah. of philosophies on how to play baseball. And you could have Daniel come in, and in my head, he was going to be the catcher. 
because uh, it's kind of a, I don't know, defensive. defensive in nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are um, first. First of all, the pitch. The pitcher is actually also on the defense. The key defense player. It's the only sport where the defense puts the ball in play. Yes, and I think that's not something that people don't watch baseball appreciate. That your offense is your bats. Your bats trying to hit the balls. Um, yeah. But anyway, but the, there's something about the catcher just feels a little more Miyagi Do to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's the it's the kind of the cliche. It's the brains of the game. Yep. So it's typically your catcher is the person that studies all of the. They're at the plate, so they're studying the other team's batters and because they call the pitches. Yeah. So the catcher tells the pitcher essentially what to throw. So it's really a pitcher and a catcher are a two-man team within the baseball team. The pitcher and the catcher work together. They have to have a working relationship and trust. Yeah. Yeah, especially the, the pitcher has to trust that the catcher is going to call the right pitches. So that's just as appealing as like having two – it's kind of a yin-yang relationship. In a pitcher cat, yeah. you call the you call it the battery. If you're talking about yep. just the pitcher and the catcher as a team, they are the battery because they're the juice or the electricity for the baseball yeah. team on the field. Whenever a pitcher throws a no hitter, it's like this big thing for the pitcher. But you forget about the catcher who does a lot of that, a lot of the work sometimes. And actually, like Buster Posey has caught three no hitters in his time with the Giants. He's amazing. He caught one for Matt Cain. He caught, which was actually a perfect game, I think. Wow. He caught one of Timmy's no-hitters, and then he caught another one. I forget the other pitcher. But that's that's very impressive. I think the record is four or five from a catcher. Uh, that's amazing. But, uh, and you can yeah. it's just really easy to picture Daniel sitting in the dugout with like a playbook in his lap. Like he's kind of yeah. skinny. He doesn't look like a baseball player. But you can see him using strategy – yeah. As a way to stay in the game and be a relevant player on the field. And, yep, Whereas yep. Johnny's like pure, power. pure heat, pure power, per, pure speed as a pitcher, yep. you know. Um, so it kind of, it works with like thinking of, yeah, the physicality and the philosophy between Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai works. And you can, you know, you can see like Dutch is an asshole shortstop and, or, or I can't remember if we had him at third base or something. That's why I can't write the thing because I keep uh, changing my mind about what the <laughs> dynamic – are all the Cobras different position players or are they all pitchers for right, one Right, you could just have a bullpen of Cobras. Yeah. I, I don't know. I keep changing my mind and uh, I can't quite get the scale of the thing in my head yet. So Freddie Fernandez is for sure in like deep right field, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freddie. Right. Um, yeah. He did, so he, that uh, – War Israel Warbay, uh, another Harabe. baseball reference for you. Um, right, Angels in the outfield. Angels in the he outfield. Freddie Fernandez. I think he's in the infield somewhere. I forget. Yes, he's yeah, so great. So funny. I love Israel Harabe. Harabe. Okay. Uh, Harabe. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love Angels in the outfield. That's but it. the baseball AU, if we ever do it, I'll help, and it'll be Just like. Please. Because you need, you basically need them in high school, but you also need them after that. And the yeah. whole, there's this whole story that Laura has mostly developed and I've helped, which is that I keep changing. they both, yeah, and they both go to college and then Johnny gets drafted and he makes it to the show. He makes it to the majors. And Daniel, realistically, somebody of his physique would not be able to make it to the majors. Yeah. Definitely not. He's too skinny. He's too small. Even if you beef him up a little bit, he's just too small. He's going to yeah. get beat up. Uh, he's going to get worn out. Baseball players play 162 games, professionals. It's 162 games 
a year. That's that's insane the amount of wear and tear yeah. these guys put on their bodies. So that's why you need big guys. It's not only for speed and power, but it's for durability. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, and- there, so there would be like yeah, like a like a whole sort of like. Johnny in the bus leagues and the minors. Yeah. And lots of appealing. angsty phone calls. And, oh, Bull Durham would be something we'd have to definitely watch a bunch of times. And yeah. uh, Daniel would be back at home with, you know, failed dreams of his baseball career. And he'd have to be selling cars and super depressed about it. And, you yeah. know, jo- Johnny has to call him and tell him he's he's got the call up to the majors. And Daniel would have to be, like, crying a little bit because – um it was used to be his dream and yeah um i would be so good it would be so good and just picture for all you guys just picture johnny lawrence swinging a bat around the the snap of the hips and the little step you know into the swing and glorious mickey mantle yeah that laura laura actually has written a little bit of stuff and she described johnny's swing as uh that glorious lean back i think something like that i i just tried to study as many uh just as many great hitters as I could. Iconic hitters. Uh, Which actually does make Johnny's, would make him special, but he is special. That And Mantle is just all American. Oh, yeah, Mickey Mantle. Beautiful player. Gorgeous. Yeah. One of the first times that you saw the athletic build, because if you see old-time ball players, they don't look like they do now. No. They're like working stiffs, but... Yeah, they had jobs sometimes. Mantle's from Oklahoma, so he wasn't like a, a big-time... He, he didn't necessarily – I don't know how he'd look compared to, like, some of the guys today, but he was athletic looking. And, yeah. Um, you know what you could do, too, as an AU? You could do Maris and Mantle. You could have old-timey Daniel <laughs> and Johnny going for the home Babe Ruth's Roger home Pierce. run record. And yeah, you could have, yeah. like, pissy, annoyed Roger Maris, which is Daniel LaRusso. And he doesn't get along with the reporters, and he's pissed <laughs> off in the – in the locker room all the time, and you've got this like shiny, charismatic Johnny Mickey Mantle soaking up all the praise. And, <laughs> but in the end, Maris or Daniel or alternate wins. Alternate, uh, D- Dimaggio, although he came uh, before Mantle, right? Like they they weren't friends actually. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to play around with that, but uh, yeah, Daniel's kind of a Dimaggio. I mean, Italian, obviously, Italian, <laughs> sort of, sort of moody and weird, reason, but you yeah. know. Yeah. Probably talk to himself a lot. Marilyn Monroe's alley, you know. Oh, yeah. There, that'd be, <laughs> yeah, this is getting out of there, but. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. like that. Baseball is awesome. Baseball is it, life. Yeah. It's a metaphor. It's aesthetic and beautiful, and there's so much good baseball writing out there. But anyway, I don't know if we want to wrap this up, or I actually sure. don't know how long we've been recording. Let me see. A long time. Been recording an hour and a half. Okay. So I'll have to struggle to edit this that down. down. I would say one one way to end it would be my, talking about my dream for season three. Ooh, yeah. What's your dream for season three, Laura? It's not really. I don't have anything specific. I just really. Oh. I, I know it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But at some point, I would love Chad McQueen to show up somehow. Oh, uh, wouldn't you? Because he's so pop. awesome. He's not aged quite as beautifully as some of the other boys. But you know what? He's Chad McQueen. He's a total badass. I love uh. Chad McQueen. He's just he is, he's busy playing with Porsches. So Yeah, he is. He's such a badass. Follow Chad McQueen or McQueen Racing on Instagram. And you get yeah. these cool pictures and videos of like Chad McQueen, yeah, driving around classic cars that Porsche yeah. Porsche, however you choose to say it, yes. uh gives him to drive around and he's got this like 
rough voice and he's always wore sunglasses because he was in this really bad accident uh racing yeah um he's the real deal he is the real deal he is the prince of cool his dad is the king of cool steve mcqueen but chad mcqueen is the prince of cool and um i would love to see dutch out of jail and back on the streets and right amazing any of the og cobras like please bring bobby back oh i hope bring jimmy back Um, well you think about where johnny is at and uh, he's going to need someone to, you know, um, drag him out of the gutter. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be Bobby. It's got to be Bobby. And I want uh, Randy Heller back. Me too. As Lucille LaRusso. Oh, um, was- and somewhere, sometime, obviously, we want Terry Silver and, uh, and Mike yeah. Barnes, But <laughs> Fuck yeah. There's some fans who are like, I don't need to see Terry or Mike. And I'm like, Dude, fuck you. No way, man. <laughs> That's all it's That's- all about. That's just like your opinion, man, or whatever, but it's a sucky opinion. And if you don't like Terry Silver, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of town. Get Terry town. Silver is a, incredible, and so, uh, Thomas Ian Griffith makes that movie. And what's amazing is that he's younger than Ralph Macchio, as we've looked yeah, up. I thought that incredible. was incredible, and it's real. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thomas Ian Griffith looks about 40 in that movie, and he's like 28. And then, obviously, Ralph Macchio looks 17, and he's, like, 28 or 9, or I can't remember. I can't remember. But he's, like, a year old, uh, like, a year younger than Ralph Macchio or something silly. Yeah. Ralph in that movie is about... And then Sean Keenan, by the way, I, right before you called me, I started to watch an episode of Sean Keenan's Amazon Prime show, Studio City, and it looks it looks really good, so we're going to have to hang up and both watch it. Cause okay, that sounds great. good. He is still very good looking, by the way. So Oh, yeah, he is. He's a dreamboat. Uh, Sean Kanan <laughs> is going to be on Cobra Kai Companions. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll have already happened. But for us, tomorrow, Cobra yeah. Kai Companion is having a Sunday night trivia with special guest Sean Kanan. That's so exciting. Dreamboat. He's a lot of fun. He literally almost died for yes, Karate that Kid story's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You have to listen to listen to the Cobra Kai companion interview with Sean Kanan. There might even be two. I can't remember, but he's such a doll. And I yes. would I would love to see Mike back. If you don't want to yeah. see, yeah, if you don't want to see Terry and Mike. Come on. One thing I'll just say real fast that I my prediction for season th- at least either season three or four is that Cobra Kai comes back to the valley and just spreads like a disease because. John, uh, let's see. No, Terry Silver. <laughs> like Terry Silver always dreamed. <laughs> well, yeah, no, because in Karate Kid Three, at the at, there's some scene where Mr. Miyagi is essentially beating Terry or pushing him off Daniel or something, yeah. and Terry has this line about, "I can't." He says something about Cobra Kai is going to come back to the valley, even if we have to give classes for free. Old man, and Miyagi Do <laughs> will be nothing but a memory. I can't remember. It's not exactly that, but. He essentially makes this like, um, oh, what do you call it? prophecy in my mind? And I'm like, that's you know the big three. They know all the lines of these movies. And I'm like, fuck yeah, here we go. Season three opens up. You the 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 true puppet master pulling the strings to get John Chris to be able to take over Cobra Kai because he can't fucking do paperwork. He's just an old soldier. <laughs> Uh, he was bad with his dojo. He bad with his money. In, in Karate Kid 3, yes, he came yes. and paid the bills. So yeah. clearly, Terry's helping him out. And you see Terry Silver coming, and he's like, it's time, Johnny boy. And yeah. they open up a it's whole- just they, they, they open, Instead of 
instead of slowly opening up two or three more locations, Terry Silver style, they're going to open up 28 new locations throughout yep. the valley. It's going to be like Starbucks. On every corner, there's a Cobra Kai dojo. Yep. It's going to be no everywhere. No students, by the way, because, you know, no one Not does enough karate students. anymore. Well, ter- <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Terry's going to bully all the other karate dojos out of business. So Topanga Karate is going to suddenly have problems getting permits for whatever because Terry Silver's pulling the strings at City Hall. Anyway, that's that's my prediction. Yes. It's going to get real dark, and then Johnny and Daniel are going to somehow have to team up the very end, and then that storyline will be played out in Season 4. The team-up will be at the end of Season 3, I feel like, and Probably. be manifest in Season 4, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Daniel's going to find himself again. Terry's first. coming back. Yeah, Mike's going to come back. Ralph Macchio is going to have to do some push-ups in the off-season in order I to look convincing. So. Poor Ralph. He's got those little noodles. Chicken legs and noodle arms, old Ralphie Ralph. My, my favorite was when uh, uh, Daniel comes to Johnny's apartment and they fight. And it's just like... Cut away, Zab, cut away, cut away. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Zab kind of like shoves Machio and he's just like, you know, ass A over ankles. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> I mean, literally, if you're looking at those guys, Ralph Machio probably weighs 150 pounds, Maybe. Maybe. And then William Zabka's got to be 170, 180, 180. 180. But he's 180. So that's like a 30-pound difference. (laughs) So it's like that fight. I know fans love that fight, and this sounds terrible, but Machu and Zabka are never going to listen to this. But it is a little bit hard to watch those two fight because you're like, no fucking way. You know, I'm over here like (laughs) Joe Joe Rogan. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No way. (laughs) You know, that's like a featherweight fighting a – uh, a it's heavy movie magic, champion. movie magic, and lots of editing and cutting. Yeah, uh, people are unfair to Ralph Macchio. I wish I know. I know Ralph hates doing karate. I'm pretty. I have a theory that he hates doing karate. That might not be true. <laughs> we and love I, Ralph. We love. I Ralph. love Ralph Macchio so much. Oh, I spent a God. lot of time looking at old Ralph Macchio Star- pictures and new Ralph Macchio pictures, not just yes. old. Lost Cat Corona, Beer League, uh, all my Scruffy beers. Ralph. Yeah, but yeah. I do wish that he would. Um, he's a fantastic. And he's actor. fucking. Here's the Love thing. Ralph. He's almost sixty, so it's a little unfair Incredible. for me to say. Just do some push-ups, Ralph. Come on, Ralph. Get in shape. Yeah. He's fucking. He looks fifty. He's actually almost sixty. He looks forty or forty-five, actually. I mean, yeah. But I don't know. He's almost sixty, so it's a little unfair. But I'm kind of like, man, come on, <laughs> Janelle and Hero. Make Ralph Macchio do some fucking push-ups. <laughs> do the push-up challenge. We'll see. I want to see, like- see 25 push-ups on your knuckles, Ralph, right now. Oh Get down. He'll find the balance between Miyagi-Do and Kopakai. Between not doing bit. exercise and doing ex- – I'm just kidding. That sounds terrible. He's so cute, though. We love Ralph. I love Ralph. I love Ralph Macchio. If yeah. I had to choose to meet one of them, I might choose Ralph Macchio. I don't yeah. know. William Sabko. I've always like you've always been the Ralph girl. And I've always loved Johnny Lawrence, but if I'm yep. honest, it's like if you take those two characters and and you look at the whole journeys. I mean, you you have to in your heart you have to be with Miyagi Do because it's this it's this weird fascination that a lot of viewers have with Johnny Lawrence and Cobra Kai. Like, Cobra Kai is fun, but I feel like a lot of the fans that love Johnny uh, would be mercilessly made fun of. Had would were you to meet Johnny Lawrence in real life, 
A lot of us oh, are nerds yeah. that love the show. A lot of us are geeks and outcasts that love the show. Yep. And uh, we would probably only fit in at Miyagi-Do. But at the same time, I think we all want to be uh, a little more Cobra Kai. Yeah. Then that's, again, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, Cobra Crane, Crane and Cobra. It's going to be a blend. Yeah, we get, need a little bit of both. They're going to be in love and they're going to be karate husbands and they're going to teach karate <laughs> together and can. it's going to be called Cobra Crane and Cobra, Cobra Crane, Cobra Kai, Crane Kai. I don't know. It's got to be. Go ahead and work that out. I'll work on that. All right, everybody. This has rambled well, on long enough. Thanks for tuning yep. in. Um, we actually yes, didn't I, talk as much about our fic as I thought we would. I feel like uh, we talked a no, lot about television. We did. We did. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, probably the next episode you hear, probably, unless I get another idea, will be a Brianna interview. We're going to talk about oh, a walk in good. the woods. She's great. Um, she's going to be a lot of fun. So I just have to find a day with her and do it. So yes. Yes. Anyway, thanks. No is, you need, you, you're going to need to rewatch all those episodes because no one's watched those episodes more than Brianna. Oh, I can't keep up with her. No way. Yeah. No way. I'm trying to think of a clever tagline. I've been saying like, uh, uh, "See out there, all you, all you amateurs," because like the defiantly oh. amateur thing. From it's not as cool as I thought it would be. Mm, yeah. No. Anyway, I think I'll just say, <laughs> "See you later." <laughs> <laughs> see you, ne- see see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Okay, that'll be it. That'll be good.